From The Simpsons to Zootopia to Wreck-It Ralph, I meet the creators of the critically acclaimed sequel, Ralph Breaks the Internet. Plus, we take a look at some very interesting female characters coming to TV this spring, here on Pop Culture Confidential. Hey guys, this is Christina Erlingbiro. So nice to have you with us here again. So a lot of talk about movies around awards season, but we have not forgotten about TV here on Pop Culture Confidential. Later on the show, I talk to film and TV critic Candace Frederick about a few of the shows that she's most looking forward to in 2019 and how shows like Killing Eve have ushered in a very interesting new type of female protagonist. But first, the animation field is a tight race of great movies this Oscar season. Ralph Breaks the Internet is the critically acclaimed sequel to Wreck-It Ralph, and it's very likely to get an Oscar nomination next week. I got the chance to speak to a few of the creative forces behind the movie. Oscar-winning director Rich Moore has a long history of working with excellent animated satire, from his early work on The Simpsons and Futurama, for example. And he's worked together with producer Clark Spencer on Zootopia. Their latest movie, Ralph Breaks the Internet, follows Ralph and Vanellope as they venture deep into the internet to recover a lost part of her arcade game. The film is about friendship and loss, but also tackles some very relevant themes like sexism, online bullying, and toxic masculinity. In this clip, Vanellope, voiced by Sarah Silverman, stumbles upon all the Disney princesses in a scene that plays on our preconceived notions of the princess myth. Let me try. Take me to a website that's super intense and really nuts. Oh, I only found one result. Oh, come on. Princesses and cartoon characters barf. Hey. Whoa! princess too. What kind of a princess are you? Uh, Do you have magic hair? No. Magic hands? No. Do animals talk to you? No. Were you poisoned? No. Cursed? No. Kidnapped or enslaved? No. Are you guys okay? Should I call the police? Do people assume all your problems got solved because a big strong man showed up? Yes. What is up with that? She She is is a a princess. princess. (laughs) Ralph breaks the internet. So I was really happy to get the chance to meet director Rich Moore and producer Clark Spencer. And we talked about iconic animated characters like Lisa Simpson and what they discovered about the dark side of the internet making this movie. We met at the Grand Hotel in Stockholm just a few days ago. So, Mr. Moore, Mr. Spencer, very nice to meet you here in Stockholm. Thank you. So last time I was here was actually uh, in this room, mm-hmm. um, I think. It was a year ago with the directors of Moana. And their mm. producer, had they talked to me about this fantastic research trip they took to right. the South Pacific. Mm. Now, did Beautiful. you... Yeah. Did you let... Uh, where did <laughs> you get to go? To go see modems? I, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we went to some gigantic uh, server farms. 
about there's one huge one in downtown LA though not as majestic and magical as the South Pacific it was a great field trip because it is a hub for basically all the internet connections on the west coast of North America it's called One Wilshire 22 stories of just servers you know right. Very few people inside, but just miles of cables and just rows of these servers. And it, was, and it sounds horribly yeah, boring. Yeah, you didn't have the flowery shirt. No. no we <laughs> yeah, we didn't get to go to Norway, no, no, no. Lake Frozen 2. <laughs> but we my didn't question get to go is really, because I'm thinking when you guys are family, you're doing this research trip, what is the visual metaphor for the oh, internet? How I mean, are you thinking about that? I mean, I was going to say, as unimpressive as it sounds, it's like, oh my God. I'm starting to see it mm-hmm. now because it because they would talk about how they rent out space in the servers and it felt like this is just like city blocks. This is like properties or something that people could can rent out, like homes or businesses, offices. So from that not totally exciting sounding field trip came this idea of like this could be a world that We had not, and we didn't go there until a few months into trying to kind of crack this nut of what it's going to look like. And that was an instrumental moment to where I could finally see it. It was something about all those servers packed in so tight and all this crazy miles of cable and stuff. It was like this, this kind of controlled chaos in there that it felt like, okay, this feels like a world. This feels exciting. And there was kind of an energy in there with the humming of Mm -hmm. all the machines and everything. I could see this as shrunk down. These would be like buildings Mm -hmm. or skyscrapers or something that were standing around. And there was sort of a second component. There was that field trip, which gave us that visual. And then we had met with some of the early designers of the internet and they talked about the fact that the internet was never meant to be as big as it is today and right. so right. it's yeah. just layers built on top of each other like in Rome you know it's right. a city built on top of a city so that gave us a vertical side to it so that we had the horizontal side which is mm-hmm. the big city with the wires and we had this vertical side of well the the original internet's New all the way down here all the time. right and there's the older <laughs> net and then there's the the internet that we use every day and then there's the internet that's being built on top of on, it's just on being like created. the horizon, right, right. you know, of it. So it became this kind of metaphor that it's like this ball or a globe that's just constantly expanding out like this. And in the middle is like the original points, right. you know, the three points of the Arpanet. But you're, of course, dealing with kids here in this story that you're working with. And, and in your research, you must have come across a lot of the dark sides of the internet. After working with this project, what would you not let? kids your kids or other kids do while they're on the internet well i would say no dark net (laughs) (laughs) that that scene as people would talk about it'd be like because it'd be like "Ooh, that'd be cool to check and i'm like no you do not check that out (laughs) and there were even people on the film who said do we even want to mention it by name you know that we're talking about the dark net would some kids actually, you know, go there? And I was like, well, no, I don't think... You mean I'd that you would get pique their interest? Interest in, in it. Yeah. And it's like, well, I think we depicted bad enough that no one would want to go there. Mm-hmm. 
Are there any other ones? Well, I think, I mean, from the beginning, we had the debate of knowing that there's both the great side of the internet and there's the complicated dark side of the internet. We knew we wanted to have both represented in the film. I I know when the original conversation came in about Ralph going into a room, a comments room, and seeing what that is. Yeah, the bullying side, right? Yeah, yeah, it felt really right to us that that, he's a character who's insecure and he Mm -hmm. would go in and read comments that would prey upon his insecurity, which is what... You know, kids experience every day on the internet that side where they, that people are trying to prey on their insecurities. And so to us, it felt like it was a right thing to go explore. And it's not to say that kids shouldn't know that that exists. It just needs needs to be said. And it's what, you know, ultimately the yes character says, which is it's not about you. It's about them. It's about mm-hmm. that conversation of saying that right. you're going to read something and you're going to see something. And instead of making it feel like it, it is you, you've got to push that back and say, no, that's about somebody else. And, right have your own confidence and that felt to us like an exciting thing to actually talk about within the, the body of the story here for kids and parents to have that discussion. Right. Well the thing that's terrific about the movie is it's of course both the humor but it's also a lot of very important relevant themes of sexism and, and toxic mm-hmm. masculinity or what's mm-hmm. but um, you I wanted to know what the main lessons that you learned working on the legend that is The Simpsons about <laughs> about animation and and working with relevant themes and, uh, you know, topical issues. I mean, what are the pitfalls? I what think, are the things you learn? I think one of the great strengths of animation with topical subjects like that is that you can get away with making jokes that you could never make in live action mm-hmm. and talk about things that, in well, even like Zootopia, who would imagine that you could talk about the heavy subject of racism with animated foxes and rabbits and it becomes palatable for people of all ages. And that was a lesson from The Simpsons. Like, Simpsons has very few sacred cows that they're afraid to walk right up to and examine. You now know, you need and, to tell me one of those sacred cows. What's that? <laughs> now you piqued my <laughs> yeah. interest. I, don't, I can't think of any. Yeah, you know, there are I, I don't think so. You know, there, and I just watched it a, a few weeks ago. It's still as like barbed and funny as ever it's, or even better than it's been in the past few years. So, so I brought some of that. From and there's show. a nice sort of direct line I could feel from Lisa Simpson to Vanellope. There's something about bit, those yeah. that sort of characters that really, you know, do you feel that way as well? Uh, a little bit. Like, I always think that Lisa is kind of always hamstrung by her intelligence. That, uh, that always kind of gets the best of her, where Vanellope is more kind of her brashness that, that gets her into trouble but definitely I I could see some similarities of they're both young characters that feel much more mature than the adults Mm -hmm. around them and I've always loved yeah yeah yeah. and and always wanting something more and not understood by the people around them I love those characters Mm -hmm. and then to have for every character like that, they need their Ralph or their Homer, you know, who doesn't quite get them, but loves them very much and wants the best for them. And that's why I love Ralph as a character. It's just he will go to the ends of the earth to help his friend, but he's so insecure in his own character 
that a lot of times he'll do things that hurt his friend because he loves her so much that he just wants to hang on to her. And that's where this story gets into kind of those areas of toxic masculinity and friends and not even having to do with the male-female dynamic, of, but just friends who feel that they own their friends. Mm-hmm. Friends, it, what it means to be a friend is that you do what I, what makes me happy, which yeah. is the antithesis of what a friendship should be. But I think we run into that all the time. I mean, I a, a huge inspiration for this movie was a moment that I had with a friend which was only a few years ago, where I was couldn't believe that my friend was, we were having a, a disagreement. It's like, I can't believe that they're acting like this. And I went to another friend who's, who I think is very wise and whose word I trust, and I was like, I can't believe they're acting like this. And he said to me, Rich, you know, your friend has a God and it is not you. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to stop acting like this, that they, your friend owes you something, you know, and that it's making you upset that they're not acting the way that you want them to. It's like, oh my God, I can't believe, what am I doing? And I carried, not that this movie is about that moment, but I definitely would bounce when I was wondering, like, does their dynamic feel authentic? Mm -hmm. I would always bounce what was going on in the story off of that moment from my life. Mm -hmm to kind of get a good gauge on like, yep, this this feels authentic, right. you know, to how I was feeling at that moment. So the princess scene is, of course, an instant classic. Um, in, in a way, you're, we're both shepherding in a new audience and mm-hmm. also new princesses, really. What was right. your thinking behind this? What did you want, you know, the kids watching this to feel from that? Well, I, to me... I, I was hoping that people would, especially young people, that we could reintroduce them to the story, that they wouldn't walk away from it thinking, oh, princesses are women in ball gowns and who look beautiful and fabulous all the time, which is, I'm afraid that they sometimes become that to people. And this was a good way to remind people, like, no, they they had harrowing adventures, you know, in their films, you know, that that I think we forget about sometimes because the iconic vision of them is so powerful that it it kind of bowls everything else over. So some, sometimes people say, like, I love how you guys reinvented them. Mm-hmm. It's like, we didn't <laughs> reinvent them at all. We just kind of reminded you of what their backstories were mm-hmm. and talked about it in a way where they're sharing stories finding commonalities, uh, to me, that's a success with the scene that, that it makes them feel very human, yeah. through humor. And we, we never did anything that was out of character with them. It's just really kind of ratcheted up. So. Yeah, I understand that you had at least 10 or something of the original voice actors yeah. um, there who actually helped some of the new animators with their backstories. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, it was an amazing moment we did. We got the original voices to come back to play these characters again. And when they came into the studio to record, we said, would you mind meeting with the animation team and talking about the character? And for each of them, it was this incredible moment to come up and they would tell the story of how they got cast in the part, mm-hmm. what it meant to them, who this character was, how they felt this character would act in this scene. And it was very emotional to watch them talk mm-hmm. about it because you realize 
it was a even though all of these people have gone and had incredible careers, this was an incredible part of their career. It still mm-hmm. stuck with them, and so to have this opportunity to come back and play the character again was very deep and meaningful. You talk about it being sort of a reunion of all of these people back mm-hmm. together at one moment. But to share information that only they know, yeah. you know well, about can, what. Do you have they, an example of something that came up that you didn't know? I'm trying to think of. Um, Remember, like Jody Benson, like everyone was just like sitting who played Ariel in the oh, Little Mermaid. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Everyone was just on the edge of their seat, like her talking about what it was like to sit there with Howard Ashman, mm-hmm. who would kind of direct her in the dialogue. And she'd say, like, Howard just knew the character. I learned the character from Howard, mm-hmm. you know? It's like he, he really knew Ariel, and I, it was my job to kind of take what Howard knew about her and to synthesize that into a performance. And it's like, oh my God. It's like, I would never know. No one would ever know that it's unless like you sit history. down yeah. you know, with Jody Benson and have her share that. And to see like our animators, so many of them who will cite Little Mermaid as like, I went and saw Little Mermaid when I was you know, in high school mm-hmm. or college, and that made me want to become an animator. To see them sitting and talking with Jody about the movie on that level, getting insight that no one else knows, really. It, it took the scene from just kind of a fun romp, you know, into like, oh my God, it's like this is, we're, we're doing something deep here within our studio, mm-hmm. you know, of kind of reuniting two halves of a brain. Yeah, I hope someone filmed yeah. these yeah, things. Yeah, I did. Because Amy I could did. Have oh, you did. <laughs> yep. I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> No, um, it was great. Do you guys know if there's like original dubbers as well coming in on the international? Oh, <laughs> a lot of them are good. the same. In some cases, some, oh, especially yeah? with the the more modern. Yeah, because I know, know like Italians, the more... they use the same person all the time. Anyway, yeah. that would be yeah. interesting. No, it was. And then in Italy, they also use like for some of the more classic ones, mm-hmm. the who, the actors are no longer with us. Mm-hmm. They use actual princesses in Italy. They, oh. Yeah, there's a Romanoff playing mm-hmm. playing uh, Aurora, playing Sleeping Beauty. It was like, that's a pretty cool idea. Yeah. You know? But I want to thank you for doing all these you know, incredible stories that you have done for um, women and girls and these strong oh. things. You have. But I'm, and I know that you guys are doing a lot of work in the studio, but how are you working with sort of women in animation behind the scenes and diversity and things like that, which is something we're talking about all the time? How are you? I mean, this is the second. There's a lot of men animators that I right. need and, and producers. How are you thinking? You know what's funny is that, like, in looking back, like, on Simpsons, so much of the... And that was, like, 89... I was there from 89 to 90-something, like, for five, 94, I think. And so much of the crew was equal men and women, mm-hmm. you know? And that was my first... Like I know, like my crew, the the animators, it was an equal split of men and women, and I never thought it wasn't until later that I was hearing like what you know, mm-hmm. it's not as many women in animation. Like my experience was, it was always very equal. Futurama also, like there was a a very clear kind of a balance of men to women on the staff. Are you saying so, something happened? Or no, I don't your, know, you know, yeah, but that was your, my experience mm-hmm. early on where I always saw it as there's great, great strength in 
having, and I would always, from very early on, would have tried to do equal men and women, equal up-and-coming animators. Oh, sorry, I'm hitting the table and making large, noisy sounds. Um, of young people and older established mm -hmm. people, of people of color and white people, you know, just to get their diversity in age, sex, uh, race, I think, improves the product. Mm -hmm. Well, know? I think to, and to, to the credit of Rich and Phil, when we built the story team, we made sure we had a female head of story. Uh, we also, you guys said you wanted the story team itself to be equal, so we mm -hmm. made sure it was equal in terms of men and women in the room, because again, we have a male character in Ralph and a female right. character right. in Penelope. The writers, uh, Phil Johnson, who's the co-director and co-writer, we had a female co-writer, Pam Ribbon. So it was mm -hmm. all about trying to make sure you have those voices The heads in there. of animation, or there's Kira female and, and male. Yeah. You know. It is about making sure you have those voices in there, because that's the only way you're going to get storytelling that feels like it's balanced in terms of its point of view. Mm -hmm. And it's one mm -hmm. of the great things, and it's the part I love about the storytelling in animation and being in those rooms, is it be, people debate ideas, but they debate from their own points of view. Right. Wherever they grew up, whatever gender they may be, whatever race they may be, whatever experiences they've had in life, they're bringing that to the table. And the more diversity you can have in that, the deeper and richer the storytelling is going to be. So I, I think that and, is... And making that room like a safe place place where no one feels like, well, my experience isn't, you know, equal to mm -hmm, mm -hmm. his or hers. So, you know, and making sure that people know, no, this is, you know, the movie will get better the more you kind of debate from from where you come from, from your point of view. Well, yeah. we can certainly see it in your stories. Oh, well, thank, <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much to Mr. Rich Moore and Mr. Clark Spencer. Ralph Breaks the Internet is out in theaters in the U.S. and premiering in Sweden on February 1st. Now, film and TV critic Candace Frederick, who writes for the New York Times and The Guardian, is with me this week to talk about some of the new TV shows she's looking forward to this spring and about some very special female characters coming our way. I started by asking Miss Frederick what she sees trending on TV in 2019. I think that we're going to see some interesting, I don't want to say protagonists, but I'll say people who are centered in films, or I'm sorry, in, on TV, and also in films too. But I think there, we saw that a little bit with mm -hmm. Killing Eve, which I thought was a really masterfully done show where where the person that you think is a protagonist is actually like somebody that you have empathy for, but is not somebody who's that all that innocent. And it's also somebody who is not that is not really thwarting any ill doing, any evil right. doing. Like she's somebody who kind of gets aroused by it. And I think I think that's something that's very, very, very interesting. Oh, interesting. So like some ambivalence to the characters, not really good, not bad. Just... Yeah, I think there's a lot of gray. And I think we saw that beginning probably last year. There was a lot of that. Killing Eve is just one example. Do you have a theory as to this sort of ambivalence? I mean, last year when I talked to people about TV and what I saw myself was, of course, sort of in a political-like, sort of the post-Trumpian area, dystopian mood of Handmaid's Tale. Do you have any theory as to why you think this is, that we're going to gray? <laughs> I think I think it's an area that we haven't really been in for our, ever, <laughs> not, not, not in such a trend occurrence. 
And so I think with the modern women's movement, I think that it is really showing a need to see women who are kind of on the fringes morally and who are still kind of, yeah, on the fringes and, and still kind of challenging what is good, what is bad. So they're not these binary depictions of women. There's a lot of us kind of live in the gray. And that's what we're seeing a lot of. We're seeing more representation of women who are right. not really along either binary. Okay, tell me some of the shows that you have been um, reading about and, and seeing that you think that you're really looking forward to and why coming up this spring. TNT is doing a show called I Am The Night, which debuts on at the end of the month. And that is led by Chris Pine and Patty Jenkins, of course, from Wonder Woman oh, theme. Wonder Woman, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Russian Doll on Netflix. Um, oh, yeah, that's Amy Poehler, right? Producer? Amy Poehler, producer, and also, I think, co-producer and co-writer and co-creator is oh. Natasha Leon, which is, and she's the star of the show, and so that's going to be pretty interesting. Interesting to see what people will think of that, and it's kind of centralizing a very flawed, very unreliable protagonist in a, in a, ser- in a series that essentially kind of is like the Similar to the female t- aspect of um, Groundhog Day, when it, when a, sh- um, a day is repeating itself, and you have to kind of figure out why. Fuck, sweet birthday baby. What is in this? Stay away from me! I'm coming down the stairs. <laughs> hey, Jesus fucking Christ, that's dark. Are you gonna tell me what's going on? I keep dying and reliving the same night. Does it hurt? <laughs> Yes. You seem fine. <laughs> I'm not fine. I'm questioning my own sanity. We gotta take the fire escape. I Great. have a fire escape? I have to change my Airbnb oh, listing yeah. then. What was wrong with the stairs? It's a long story involving multiple deaths. Yeah, this is much safer. Huh. It never lasted this long. Those things are a menace. I'm happy. Yeah, I saw the trailer. She keeps coming. She dies and keeps mm-hmm. coming back. And it's really this the protagonist that you were talking about there in the beginning of the show that that um, seems quite mm-hmm. unlikable um, and uh, very interesting. Yeah. yeah, but I guess it's a comedy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Natasha Leone is just comedic always. I feel like, and so, and she's <laughs> definitely mm-hmm. somebody who I think is really fitting for the role. Kind of somebody who is looking at her own flawed somebody who's looking somebody who has, who's forced to confront her own flawed repu- reputation and so i think that's pretty interesting i personally am very 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 interested in better things oh can't wait yeah finally coming back you know it's forever um and so i'm glad to see that back i think pamela adlin is one of the smartest women on tv right now yeah and me so too. i'm glad to see her come back and this is the best i've ever seen her um and so sort of post louis ck getting off the show it's gonna be i mean and last season was so great mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah so i'm interested to see like how just moving past that and 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 just how she's reclaiming the show i mean i i don't think it's ever she's not ever I don't think she's ever not claimed it. I think that she, I think that she. Oh yeah. It was always her story. Yeah. And I think that she is probably going to do some, some interesting storylines and I'm very interested to see. I haven't, I haven't seen any of the episodes yet. So, but I'm very, very interested. Um, so there's that. Um, Hulu is doing an anthology series titled into the dark, 
mm-hmm. and their last episode. So I call them episodes, but they're more like entries because they're mini movies. They're about 90 minutes in length. The last one was titled New Year, New You, mm-hmm. co-written and directed by Sophia Takal. And it was basically about, it was, it's, it's a horror anthology series. And I think it's the first of Bloomhouse's kind. And it really just kind of confronts these psychological horrors in everyday life. New Year and the You was really about kind of confronting our fascination and appeal to creating and identifying with new and AKA better versions of ourselves for the new year, really kind of talking about what New Year's resolutions mean, what self-care platitudes mean in the social media age, which I thought was very, very, very well done. Never have I ever bullied a perfectly sweet, innocent girl until she committed suicide. The world deserves to know the truth. Yeah, Smilf is another one that I really, really enjoy. Season two is back, or coming back soon, with um, Frankie Shaw at the center, Rosie O'Donnell. Um, it's a, essentially a, another single woman, um, single mm-hmm. mother, um, central character, and one who doesn't <laughs> doesn't really have all the answers, extremely messy, but is trying to, you know, confront standards that have been put against her just like, Pamela Adlin on Better Things. So I think that's very interesting. So many interesting women coming up. (laughs) Yeah, there's also actually, now that I think about there's Shrill, which is Mm -hmm. um, centered, I think is written, co-created, and also stars A.D. Bryant from SNL. And that's really interesting. It's basically um, another, you know, another instance of a woman um, actress who's centralized herself in, 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 on screen in a way in which she has not her her type so to speak has not been featured on screen she's an, she's a plus size woman who is very sexual very centered well candace this is so great because this was i think you gave us six or seven shows that centered on such interesting women so i'm feeling really great about the spring of 2019 now <laughs> me too yeah i it just kind of fell into that i i i wasn't i didn't even know I was going to do all women, but it just kind of happened that way. Well, well, that, that sounds great. <laughs> I want to thank you so much for, for your time and, and for keeping us up to date with what's going on. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much to Candace Frederick. You can follow her on Twitter at RealTalker. And thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can follow us on Twitter, of course, at PodPopCulture. This show was edited by Katrine Lundell, and I'm Christina jerling Biro. See you next week. Hi. 
Hello everyone, my name is Matt Neglia, and I am the host of the Next Best Picture podcast, part of the Film Entertainment Awards website, nextbestpicture.com. On our show, we explore all year long what is possibly going to win Best Picture at the Oscars. We do this by conducting interviews with people within the film industry, holding weekly reviews of the latest theatrical releases, and on our main show, where we dive into various different topics, answer your fan questions, and also do our best to explore Oscar history's past in hopes that it will tell us something new for this upcoming award season race. We hope that you will join us on all of the various podcasting networks. We look forward to seeing you over at nextbestpicture.com.